There is a very real possibility that in the next year or so, two of the richest people to have ever lived will be locked in the octagon together for a cage fight, an idiocracy-level event that Dana White has ensured us is not a gimmick. It's very real. It's very real. And while the UFC doesn't do gimmick fights, besides the ones on this list today, let's talk about some of the other contrivances the promotion has implemented to drum up business. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. A huge thank you to the biggest channel supporters in our Hall of Famer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And this is the 10 most gimmicky things the UFC has ever done. Number 10, slap fighting. Oh yes, we have to talk about Dana White's baby here, especially since they decided to run a slap fight on the way-in show for UFC 290. It was, of course, always going to be the case that the UFC and its president would integrate the Power Slap League into their already massive social media presence online to help garner interest. Even though they are separate entities, if you regularly follow the UFC online, it's pretty much unavoidable at this point. You are going to see some folks slap each other in the face really hard and then fall down. Now, if you talk to Dana White, slap is the biggest sport on the face of the planet. We're number one in all of sports. And when I say all of sports, if you take the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, F1, WWE, and who am I forgetting? Um, is it the UFC, Dana? And added them all together. Their numbers don't compare to slaps. Um, yeah. Could you? Yeah. Exaggerated claims made in advertising, such as best in the universe or absolute greatest ever, are known as puffery. It should be noted that the show originally ran on TBS, but was not renewed for a second season and is now on the streaming platform Rumble. By this time next year, if there aren't slap fights during UFC cards, I will eat my shoe. To be fair, this is the kind of fight I would like to see two billionaires doing. Number nine, gimmick prizes. You know what would be the best thing to give a fighter who just won a six-figure contract on an expensive television show that is designed to create new stars for the UFC of the winners of said show? A two-wheel death rocket that you can hit the highway on at speeds that will turn you into a puddle if you hit a pothole. And you also get a Thumpster dirt bike, which we don't want you to ride. <laughs> yes, the UFC isn't just about gold belts. They also like to give out random gimmicky stuff, usually tied into a sponsor. I could pound this for a lot. I said, are you out of mind? What are you doing? And for much of Tuff's existence, the winner would get a little trophy, a novelty-sized check, and then the keys to their very own Harley-Davidson motorcycle. I've always wondered if they have to pay taxes on those bikes. My guess is yes, because that's how game shows work, but I don't know. The company also sometimes gifts main eventers with this or that, usually awkwardly on embedded episodes, like custom jewelry from their partner Bixler. I'm sure Habib wears it every single day. Yeah, these segments are usually just a way to make a crummy little commercial for a thing. Everything is just advertising, folks. Number eight, Snoopcast. Back in 2017, when Dana White's Tuesday Night Dynamite started, the promotion thought it would be a good idea to offer up an alternative commentary stream featuring everybody's favorite rapper turned Corona salesman, Calvin Brodus. An idea that was no doubt 100% Dana White's as he is a huge fan. 
Snoop-a-loop. The booth, which consisted of Snoop and Uriah Faber, both higher than Freedom 1, had to be moved away from the cage so the fighters wouldn't get a contact high. That wasn't a joke, they literally had to do that. The Snoop cast was a huge hit. And by huge hit, I mean the fighters hated it and voiced their displeasure online at having Snoop Dogg make fun of athletes desperately seeking a better life through a UFC contract who were now laid out on the ground unconscious. Get you a blanket cause your ass is night night. Snoop yeah. Dogg, that piece of shit. Do you know I'll call him out. I go to the UFC PI, I might just punch him if I see him there. Whoa. The gimmick would thankfully only last a single season of the show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Show, but it did carry into Snoop being used for the knockout mode in EA UFC 3. I don't want to go to sleep. Yeah, you're going to bed. But no, I don't want to. Okay, I'll go to bed where he was unmutable. I'm just kidding. You could turn him off. Can you imagine, though? Number seven, gimmick mouthpieces. Now, I'm not talking about the things that fighters use to protect their teeth, although there have been mouthguard gimmicks. No, I'm talking about gimmick spokespeople. You can't believe everything you read on the internet. That's how World War I got started. Since Zufa took over back in 2001, the UFC has tried to cultivate the coveted dude bro market and done so pretty successfully, often trying to partner up with famous people that the younger male demo would like, like Carmen Electra, who for two events served as an MC of sorts for the promotion. Who could forget the TikTok lady who everybody freaked out about doing some interviews for the UFC before Dustin and Connor? And she's a good kid. She's a nice kid. Yeah. The promotion's website has a whole Hasbulla page on their merchandise store. Again, these aren't jokes. Who is buying this stuff? And then, of course, there are the Nelk Boys, a group I still couldn't quite explain the purpose of to you if asked, but I know they're popular with dudes that are like 18 to 21, and Dana White loves the shit out out of those dudes and tries to integrate them into anything he can. <laughs> holy sh! Oh, holy! <laughs> back to back to tootsies. It's safe to say that as long as Dana is in charge, this trend will definitely continue, which gets increasingly funnier as White grows in age. But the popular social media stars and the target audience for the promotion do not. Number six, Maymac. It is without question the most successful gimmick in combat sports history. The UFC very smartly allowed their biggest star in his prime to leave the promotion so they could help him co-promote the second biggest boxing match of all. Time. How are you in a school bag on stage? What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read! Looking back now on it with the hindsight of the Jake Paul-infected world we live in today, the concept of Conor McGregor coming to boxing with literally no professional fights to take on one of the greatest champions the sport had ever seen wasn't as crazy as it sounds on paper now. Conor was a really good salesman, all right? You had to be there. He was saying, I am boxing and stuff like that. One, two, three! 
just saying, people were excited about it, and the proof of how believable this gimmick was is in the pudding. And by that, I mean how much money this damn thing made. A $55 million gate, 4.4 million pay-per-view buys domestically, nearly a million more in the UK alone. Connor made an estimated $30 million, and who knows what the UFC got for allowing this to even happen. And people wonder why Fury and Ngannou jumped at the chance to fight each other. Number five, gimmicky ad integration. Much like Ricky Bobby selling the space on his windshield to Fig Newtons, the UFC is not at all above hawking some products in bizarre and gimmicky ways during fight night if it will make them a couple bucks. These shoes fucking suck. Oh, Fuck these you. shoes. Now, of course, you have your standard stuff, the prime hydration zone, various company logos plastered all over every bit of the octagon. As Connor hilariously said, it's on a canvas. The strangest is without question when they teamed up with Netflix to promote the movie Bright. Dana, when will we see orcs fighting in the UFC? Never. And on a fight night, aired a little mini doc about an orc fighting Travis Brown in the UFC. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, Matt Sarah is a fucking orc. What? And while that was the most bizarre integration, we've also had things like mid-embedded episode Mike Chiesa suddenly telling us how much he loves a sponsored mobile game. We've also seen a whole host of movie trailers that try to tie the themes of the film into something about that night's card, and it's always just super cheesy. Are you ready for a fight? I do love when Bruce Buffer has to scream some tagline from a movie as he's introducing the main event, though. That's always good for a laugh. Call of Duty, Block Ops, Cold War, unravel a conspiracy decades in the making. The best moment of all time, though, was Mike Goldberg having to discuss vampire sexuality when doing an ad read for a Spike TV show on a fight night card. A combination of action, gore, and creepiness with a nice sexuality. Oh, the things we do for cash. Number four, Fight Island. When the pandemic KO'd the UFC with Herb Dean refusing to step in after numerous unanswered shots, the promotion started putting together a plan to get their events back up and running. The first solution ended up being Florida, because of course, Florida. And then the UFC was able to utilize their own Apex Center in Vegas. The third idea the promotion had was to buy an island. A Fight Island. At least that's how this gimmick was presented initially. As it turns out, Fight Island would just be Yas Island in Abu Dhabi, a place the UFC had previously held the disastrous UFC 112 and a random fight night in 2014. The marketing for this concept, though, to be fair, was pretty great. They had all kinds of new logos and things. And th there will be an octagon on the beach, too. Making us think that maybe we were going to get some kind of Enter the Dragon Mortal Kombat-like setup when the actual broadcast themselves would just end up being the standard UFC fair. With a few advertisements for the UAE government, of course. Definitely have to give them props on this one. It was a genius marketing plan, but from a product perspective, not a lot really changed. Number three, the BMF title. As Jason awesomely explained in a video three years ago, the BMF title is just the most recent in a long line of these types of non-championship championships. But for the UFC of the modern era, it's certainly a gimmick worthy of this list. Non-title bouts are generally seen as a bad thing by the promotion if they are to headline a pay-per-view event. So much so that I think we've seen several interim titles implemented simply to say that gold was on the line that night. So when white-hot Jorge Masvidal and perennial fan favorite Nate Diaz were going to throw down, it would have been silly not to make that a headlining matchup. But what do you do about gold being on the line? This conundrum led to the fabrication of the baddest motherfucker belt, which would be on the line that night and presented by The Rock because he was going to make a movie about Mark Kerr that he never made. We're gonna make a film, The Smashing Machine, Mark Kerr. 
Everybody's hyped. The belt was meant to be a one-of-one one gimmick, which turned out not to be true as there is a coming BMF bout at the end of the month. Number two, Dana White versus Tito Ortiz. Maybe in 2023 when we have billionaire tech CEOs that are in UFC space camp, the idea of the president of the organization having a sanctioned fight with the promotion's biggest star is not a big deal. But back in 2007, the world was just a different place and high-level executives didn't regularly get into fights. Even for the UFC, this was a bit like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Now, it's true that the company is pretty non-traditional. Nobody's taking anything up my ass. <laughs> my name's Marilyn. After all, the Fertitas had it in writing that any dispute between them would be settled with jujitsu. But nobody thought that the beef between White and Ortiz would culminate in an actual bout. Which, of course, it didn't as Ortiz would pull out at the last second. But we did get a cool little Spike TV mini documentary chronicling the process up through the point of the fight's cancellation. So as far as gimmicks go, it was certainly an entertaining one. Number one gimmicky fighters. Yes, despite what Dana says about potentially booking Zuckerfuck and Cowboy Birdman for a throwdown, the UFC has pounced on a few gimmicky fighters over the years. Having boxer James Tony in the state he was in come into the UFC with zero MMA experience to fight legendary grapple-heavy Randy Couture was a gimmick. They brought Sean Gannon in for a single fight because he famously defeated Kimbo Slice in a viral video. They then brought Kimbo himself in on tough a bit later, absolutely just because of his popularity. Brock Lesnar, while while of course actually credentialed, had zero real MMA experience but was brought in as a huge name from pro wrestling, and of course the biggest and most high-profile example is Pepsi Phil himself, CM Punk, the WWE megastar turned would-be fighter with no fighting background at the tender age of 37. No knock on anybody that made the walk, but it's hard to call these examples anything but gimmicks, with Lesnar being the only one who turned his chance into anything substantial. While much of the rest of this list is just distractions outside of the actual fight. Considering these were literally people we watched compete in the octagon, I don't know how they could be anything but number one. I absolutely love making lists like this. Anything where I can be a little bit more comedic, and poor Luke Taylor here always has to try to make sense of all my references that I throw in. Please follow him on all his socials. What about you? Do you like the more serious lists, or do you like some of the more tongue-in-cheek stuff like this? One way you could express how you feel about them is becoming a channel member then you could potentially be involved in the process of making these videos. Our channel champions know what's up. They can tell you all about it. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate the support. And hey, if that's too much, no big deal, guys. Liking and subscribing is also awesome, and I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for watching this one. Goodbye, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, good night.